Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you today. I hope you are having a good weekend. I just want to remind you of where we are. We just started a three-part sermon series. It's very brief, obviously, called Grow Where You're Planted. Last week, we talked about growing where you're planted, which, because God talks about this a lot. I mean, we just talked about planting churches. Well, we're sending churches out to be planted wherever they are, but, but those who are here are growing where we're planted, too right? And so, um, well, last week we talked about uh, grow where you're planted as you gather to rejoice in worship. So that was what we talked about last week. I want to encourage you, if you weren't here to listen to that, you can go on the live stream site and, and find that. Um, so growing where we're planted. Um, have you been to a vineyard? So probably many of you have been to a vineyard. Um, I have a picture of a vineyard. Virginia has some beautiful vineyards. Um, This is Veritas Vineyard uh, out near Charlottesville, south of Charlottesville. It's beautiful. The vines stretch over the rolling hillsides just below the Blue Ridge Mountains, right? For our anniversary, Michelle and I went there last year, and it was wonderful. It was beautiful. We had a mouth-watering meal that was paired with wines. It was just delicious. The setting was beautiful. Dinner was perfect. Until the man next to us took a sip of his wine and spit it out all over the floor. Like, what are you doing? What? Michelle's probably looking at me funny. Moment of truth, that didn't happen. <laughs> didn't spit his wine out. The wine was good. But what if he had? Like, like oh, those grapes are sour. They're terrible. The, this fruit of this vine is wretched. I mean, that would be crazy, right? And, and that didn't happen. Um, maybe you've had wine that's been sour before and you, you can tell. Or maybe you've just had bad wine that tastes like cough syrup. It's kind of the same thing. Um, it's no good, right? Because the fruit has been rotted. It just doesn't fit the beauty of the vineyard. It doesn't fit the owner of the vineyard who took time and care to cultivate what is there. The Old Testament uses imagery of a vineyard planted by God, who's the owner of the vineyard, and describes the vine and the fruit of it as his people. Um, And so Israel is mentioned this way throughout the Old Testament, specifically in Jeremiah 2 and Ezekiel 15, and other places in the Minor Prophets, and in a passage we're going to read now from Isaiah chapter 5. It's pretty clear that God wants his people to be like a vineyard that grows good fruit. So this is Isaiah chapter 5, the first seven verses. I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and cleared it of stones and planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and cut out a wine press as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now you dwellers in Jerusalem and people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I am going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, 
but saw bloodshed. For righteousness, but heard cries of distress. This imagery of this vineyard to be cultivated, but not bearing the appropriate fruit, is carried on through the Old Testament, but not only there. The Bible is a unified story, and Jesus picks up the theme of the vineyard, growing fruit, good fruit, and talks about that with his disciples at the Last Supper, where he institutes communion as we take it. He's gathered with his disciples there, and he foretells how Judas is going to betray them, how he is leaving them because he's going to die, and he's going to go prepare a place for them, and then come back for them. He talks about how he's going to leave his spirit with them, and knowing the persecution and the fallout that is about to happen as he is going to the cross, he prepares his disciples for what is to come by using this imagery of the vineyard and says to bear good fruit. This is in John 15. We're also going to read this passage. So as we read this, I want you to listen for repeated words. You might hear some. I am the vine, the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may be bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you may bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples." As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. Father in heaven, I pray that you will bless the reading of your word. Spirit, take it, use it to put it into our hearts, that it would shape the way we think, how we feel, and what we do and how we live. We ask in your name, amen. Well, you probably heard some repeated words. Um, I heard several repeated words. Um, Repeated words are usually important. Like, why do they keep saying that word so much? It's a question you should ask when you're reading the Bible, right? One of the words that you might have noticed is fruit. 
it's mentioned at least nine times in, in the English translation. Um, and so one of the things that I'm saying to you today and what we're talking about, one of the things that Jesus is saying to you is about fruit. And it is this, as followers of Jesus, you must grow where you're, pl- where you're planted bearing good fruit. You must grow where you're planted bearing good fruit. And there's two main points I want to talk to you about today uh, under that. So you can kind of have this mental picture of where we're going, right? So one is going to be growing and bearing fruit happens when you're connected to Jesus. And the other is growing and bearing fruit happens when you are in his community. Those two points. Connected to Jesus and in his community. That's where we're going, okay? So growing and bearing good fruit happens when you're connected to the vine. Another word that you may have heard a lot was the word abide. Abide. You were like, abide, 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 abide. It was there all the time. Eleven times it was used. Jesus is saying, abide in me and I in you as I in the Father. Abide, 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 abide in the vine. Abide, abide. Over and over and over again, what Jesus is communicating clearly is that he is the vine and you and I as branches connected to that vine, he is the life source. Abiding in him is important because he's the life source and without him we have no life. So as the life source, Jesus is saying, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you're not connected to me, you have no life. You're disconnected, you're cut off. In fact, he says, in me you have much fruit in verse 5, but apart from me you can do nothing. That is, you can bear no fruit on your own unless you're connected to Jesus. And in verse 6, he talks about being cut off and says, I think that on the screen there, if anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch and withers. The branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned, right? You go do your pruning, trimming, you get rid of things, whatever, you cut stuff down, you're like, we don't want it. You make a pile, a brush pile, and you burn it. And Jesus is saying, if you're cut off, it's like you're being put in the fire and burned. You don't have any part with him. No life from him. But he also talks about pruning. He talked about pruning in in verse 2. And he says pruning is good. Why is pruning good? Pruning is good because it's cutting off unhealthy parts so that you become more fruitful. It's not cutting you, the whole branch, off of the vine. It's cutting little pieces, little parts away that are unhealthy to make you produce more fruit. I mean, that's what the... The dressers of the vineyard, the vineteers are doing, they're trimming uh, the vine all the time so that it produces abundant and good fruit. And furthermore, we're told that one of the reasons pruning is valuable in verse 8, I think we have that, let's put that on the screen if we do. In verse 8 he says, by this my father is glorified, and he just talked about pruning, so that you bear much fruit and you prove yourself to be my disciples. So when you are being pruned, you're proving that you're the, the real, the true, the genuine, the authentic, the real thing. Real disciples. I have watched people drift away or maybe intentionally walk away from the church and from the formational habits of worship and prayer and community and Bible reading. I have watched people in doing that grow lifeless and distant and fruitless That should be a warning to us, right? That we need to be careful because drifting, disconnecting from the vine has a cost to it. It comes with a price. 
We like to, in order to organize things and kind of be in control and manage life, we compartmentalize. And that's, that's a good thing in, in those ways, right? It helps us to, to cope and, and get along. But we tend to do that even with spiritual things. And so we tend to compartmentalize life like there's my work life and there's my leisure life and there's my spiritual life. But the Bible doesn't do that. The spiritual is a part of who we are and it goes through every part of life. And, and furthermore, your body knows it. Your body keeps score. There's been a, there's a book written about this too, about how body and emotional health and, and spiritual health all are connected. There's a man who wrote an article in By Faith magazine online this week. His name's Paul Loosemore. He's a counselor and he writes this. While pursuing the pleasures of modern American life, many of us ignore the embodied cost of living counter to the kingdom of God. We don't notice the toll of ignoring embodied life. Shame is ignored. The next morning's hangover is justified. The disappointment of loneliness is submerged. And the freedom of confession and assurance is avoided. The longing for love and acceptance ripples through us, but it's dismissed as we indulge the idols set before us. You see what he's saying is when we live this disembodied life, as if spiritually disembodied, as if it doesn't matter, our body keeps score and, and we start hiding Shame. We don't deal with it well. We, we don't do confession and, and assurance. We become lonely. Um, we, we are looking for love and acceptance, but it gets dismissed because what we do is actually go seeing if idols can satisfy it. And so we indulge ourselves in those things, but we end up lacking. So the question here is, are you being cut off? That's a scary question to ask. Or are you being pruned? And that's okay. Cut off is dangerous. Cut off is cut off from Jesus to be set aside, to be burned, right? To be destroyed. It'll leave you hopeless and helpless. But being pruned is okay. In fact, being pruned is good. Being pruned will peel away unhealthy habits and it will hurt, but it's for your health, right? If you've been caught in doing things that are wrong, unhealthy habits, you've broken trust, your marriage isn't working the way you wanted it to work, and things that aren't being, that aren't helpful, getting those things addressed out in the open, discussed, identified to prune away the unhealthy parts so that you become healthy is a good thing. Not an easy thing, but a good thing. It's a hard thing, but it produces health and it makes you fruitful. And Jesus says it's a sign that you're still connected to the vine. And if you run from that and don't want any of it, you're in danger of saying, I don't care, and to be cut off. Well, how do you know which one? Well, Jesus knows, the Father knows. Right? We know, because Jesus tells us, that pruning restores health so that fruit is produced. So, how would you know? Look for fruit. Look for fruit. Where do I see fruit in my life? That's what you want to look for. Is there evidence that God is working in me? 
The second thing we're going to look at today, and we're going to do this fairly quickly here, is, is growing and bearing good fruit happens in authentic community of Jesus followers, okay? Happens in authentic community of Jesus followers. Jesus, when he gives this, is with his 12 disciples. They are doing life together, okay? Right? So the first part is you got to be connected to Jesus the vine, but it's not just you and Jesus flying solo together like that. Like, no, it's it's a vine with lots of branches growing across a trellis, right? And so there's a structure that's in place to hold that together. And that vine uh, exists together. And so life together is the trellis on which the branches of the vine grow. What Jesus is telling his disciples is that, look, relationships are important. You will grow spiritually as you were in relationship with people face-to-face and shoulder-to-shoulder. Because that matters. Because spiritual life is embodied life. And, and how do we know? You may be saying, I don't know, where does it talk about community? I mean, yeah, he's with his disciples, but what, so? Well, what does he tell us to do? He says, to, he says that his disciples, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And if you obey my commands, then you're abiding in love. I think obeying commands, that's, that's community related? That's like relationship related? Absolutely it is, right? I mean, the commands that God gives us, if you think of the Ten Commands, the first part about relationship with God, loving Him, and the, the second half are relationship to people, how you love neighbors, how you're going to love others, Right? relates to God and others. I mean, think about it. Honor your father and mother, right? If you obey that command, it's an expression of relationship one to another. Don't lie to people, right? Because that's relational. And when you break that, you break trust and you end up being a fraud. And then people are like, can I trust you? Or steal. Don't steal, right? Because you're taking something that belongs to somebody else. Don't murder. It's another person's life. Don't commit adultery. It's another person's wife. Don't covet other people's stuff. It's their stuff, not your stuff. The commandments about obeying are all relationship-oriented. It's how we interact and how we're going to do life. And Jesus says, look, if you love me and you're going to abide in me, you're going to obey. And that means relationships matter. But it's not just that stuff. I mean, we we read in Isaiah 5, verse 7 earlier, about the justice that God wanted out of his people, but instead they turned to bloodshed. Out of the righteousness that he wanted from them, how they would treat the poor and care for people, but instead he heard outcries from the poor because the poor were not being taken care of. He's like, I have given you this to be in relationship, and you're not doing it well. You're harming others. I mean, that's what Isaiah is saying. That's a huge charge against the people of Israel in the Old Testament days. And so it's important that we grow and bear fruit in the authentic community of Jesus' followers because that matters. We know it matters because he doesn't just tell us to obey, but he tells us to love. In fact, that's one of the other words that was repeated a lot. Nine times to love. Either being loved by God or loving God. Nine times to love. Jesus said greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did. 
he demonstrate the depths of his love by laying down his life for his friends, the community, the connection, the relationship. Obeying is actually a sign that you love and respect Jesus. Right? I mean, I mean, it is. I mean, think about that. When you, when you have to obey, and if you're a freedom-loving person and you don't like rules, you're like, I don't want to do that. Why would you obey? I'm going to be like, well, I'm supposed to. Okay, true. Well, I have to. Probably true if your parents are making you or law enforcement is. <laughs> well, it's my job. Yeah, it's my duty, true, yes, yes, yes. But do you ever obey simply because you love Jesus? You're like, okay, God, you say I should do this, and I have all kinds of doubts and questions, but because I love you, I will do it. Right, that's a different motivation. Then then following Jesus and obeying his commands is not one of duty and drudgery. It's one of delight because you love Jesus. That's fruit, Love is important that we love one another. And much to the way I was just describing about duty, love can be that, can feel that way. Right? There's, there's two, maybe more than two kinds of loves, but for what I'm going to talk about right now, two kinds. Transactional love and sacrificial love. Right? The transactional love is loving somebody for what they can do for you. Oh man, I love you. Yeah, we're going to hang out together. Yeah. I love that because you, you got this and you can do this for me. You got this connection to get me involved with that. Or, or to your spouse, I love you because I love what you do for me. That's transactional love. I love so that I can get this. Sacrificial love is different than that. It's loving not to get something, but simply to give to them and help them the way Jesus loves. And you think, yeah, but, but shouldn't they love me back? Yeah. And here's the beauty of it. When it really is love that is sacrificial in that way, there's a reciprocal effect. When somebody receives love like that and they know it's just sacrificial love, it typically moves them and they're, they're moved by that and they want to give love in return. And so then it's a healthy giving of love in a sacrificial way, not a transactional, well, I'll do this, you do this for me, and this is how we love one another. Uh, Hopefully you can see that difference and the beauty of loving like that. You know, one of the things that this comes to right here at the end when when Jesus is talking that's really interesting, I think, is in verses 13 to 15, where he says, "Uh, greater love is no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends... And then in verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants. For the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Friends. Friends. Friends, it's a code that they live by. Values that shape their friendship and their community. Jesus values his commands, his love, his way of living. It's what changed the lives of people and then changed the world. Because they loved his way. Right? I mean, servants are different. And that's what Jesus is pointing out. Servants are for hire. 
Servants do a job, they're done with the job, they go home. They don't know all the master's business, they just know what business relates to them. Do that, do your thing, move along. Here's your money. But friends, friends know each other. They know what life is about, what those shared values are, what their mission is, if you want to talk about it that way. They care more about each other than they do the task or the mission. Right? One of the things we say in this church a lot is people over programs because people are the ministry. Right? People are loved forever. You and I are going to spend forever together. You're like, oh no, I was really hoping I wouldn't have to do that with you, Andrew. I get it, I know. But by then, God will have made me perfect and I won't be messed up anymore. People are forever. Right? So people matter over tasks and programs and transactions. And that's the community that God calls us to be in. And a sign that we're bearing fruit is that we love one another well. Spiritual formation isn't just spiritual habits behind closed doors of reading your Bible or praying, though those are important. It is life together. It's being involved in a church intentionally, consistently. Sometimes it means being involved in a church outside of your comfort zone. And all your comfort zones are different. Some of your comfort zones are like right here and some of yours are like way out there. They're all different. Being involved outside of your comfort zone might be the way that God challenges you to grow. It might be one of the ways where you're being pruned, peeling off unhealthy things, learning to bear fruit in new ways. So when you hear somebody ask for help where we need leaders, we need people who are passionate about something, who care and want to help love others in this community, and you think, that might be outside my comfort zone, don't say no right away. Ask, is God, is God using that to prune me, to challenge me, to grow me in new ways? Maybe I should consider that. And then, then talk to whoever, talk to Lauren or Jake or Brian about it. Or me if you want to, but you know, you got to live with me in heaven forever. But you got to live with them too. So, you know, talk to whoever. Talk to a friend. Talk to somebody next to you about it. Okay, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Maybe that's where God wants you to grow. I'm going to give you a homework assignment. Um, Here's your homework assignment. I want you to find a vine in your yard. And if you don't have one in your yard, then props to you for taking better care of your yard than I do mine. Um, Go to your neighbor's yard then and find a vine. Take a, well, you can't do this in your neighbor's yard. This wouldn't be loving your neighbor well. If it's in your own yard, do this. Cut the vine. Cut the vine at the bottom. And then take a picture like each day for like two weeks and see what happens to that vine when it's been cut off from the root. Watch it wither, watch it turn brown, watch it die. As it shrivels, maybe that'll be a reminder to you of the importance of being connected to Jesus. That I don't want to be cut off. That, yeah, life in Jesus is important, just like a vine would die if it's not connected. I've got to be connected to Jesus. I'm, I'm going to give you some takeaway questions, too. You, these will be on the screen, and you can write them down if you want, if you can write that fast. Uh, we'll leave them up there for a while. Leave them up there for a minute or two so people can see them. But where am I bearing fruit? 
It's a question to ask. Okay, where am I bearing fruit? Secondly, in what areas is Jesus pruning me to be healthier spiritually? You know, things that sometimes are hard that you're going through. How is Jesus pruning me to be healthier, healthier spiritually? Third, do I obey commands out of duty or because I love Jesus? But that's a sign of, of the transactional versus sacrificial love. Does Jesus touch my heart in this way? Fourth, who and how do I need to love someone else simply because I love Jesus? So who's the person you need to love and how are you going to do it? Someone simply because you love Jesus, not for what they're going to give you, not because it's like, I don't know that, that you want to necessarily, but you're like, I don't know, I feel like God's saying I need to show love to this person. That, might, that person might be in your family, might be in the church, might be your neighbor in the community. Fifth, am I frequently involved in authentic community with other Jesus followers? Am I frequently involved in authentic community with other Jesus followers? And as you're writing those down, let me give you the last word here. As I, as I preach this, as we talk about John 15 and the vine and this, this idea of what Jesus is saying, you may think like, ooh, I failed pretty badly. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like I'm walking in a desert, a dry place. I don't feel like I'm growing. What are you saying to me? I'm saying I'm reading the word to you. But if that's you, and you think, I've blown it too bad, there is no way that Jesus would forgive me that, that I'm bearing fruit. Like, I just don't see it. I want you to remember what's happening right here in John 15, right? He's with his disciples at the Last Supper. He's going to die. And you remember what happens after he's crucified, right? You're like, yeah, he's risen. No, no, before that. Even before he dies, he gets arrested. And what happens to all of these disciples? They run to their own deserts, gone. They're scattered. They're in denial. They're like, I don't know what to do. Is this real? What's going on? They've got to be in dry and dark places, wondering what is happening. They're tested. They're pruned, but they're not cut off. How do we know? Because they abide. They remain, they come back, they bear fruit. They go on to love like Jesus loves, to obey and follow his ways. They're connected to Jesus and to his followers, his church. They abide in him and they bear fruit. If you're in that dry place and you're thinking, I don't know if I have any fruit. I don't want you to run in despair. I want you to look to Jesus. I want you to look to Jesus and that Jesus... I don't want to be the one cut off. I want to bear fruit. Restore life and health to me. And he will. He did for his disciples. That's what he does. Because he's a kind Savior. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that you will help us to love you and obey you. We pray that you will help us to be connected to you, to be willing to be pruned, help us to be connected to the community of followers of Jesus, to be connected to your church and to abide together in you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.